Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Hey, White Sox fans. It's Brett Valentini here hosting the Southside Sox podcast it's number 29 believe it or not and we're going back to back 28 and 29 with a little bit of Calback confidential we are talking with sean williams who is a photographer for Southside Sox and sb nation uh, he just covered his second game at camelback ranch yesterday yesterday's win so welcome sean we're going to get right into that game but uh, welcome back thank you happy to be here happy to be out there shooting some pictures and Happy to see another win. They're 2-0 and in games that I'm taking pictures at, so I might have to just go to every single game at this point. We made that joke prematurely last week, but now I think it's starting to get serious. Now, it's not to say that SP Nation, Southside Sox, doesn't pay you handsomely, but I'm hoping you managed to pull some Sox hat swag yesterday, which is what you're wearing now, or is that just the gear that was sitting around the house? It's actually one that's been sitting around the house for a few years here. Hair was a little messy this morning when I woke up, so I didn't feel like um, having all of our watchers see that. So, you know, just threw a cap on it and got ready to go. I don't know if it's changed, but Press Row, even visiting media, and I and I think certainly home media at Sox Park, uh, get, I think in most cases, get the giveaways. So if only, if only this winning streak can continue to be make it a clean three and zero for Camelback. And then somehow, you know, you're flown up for coverage in Chicago. All right. That swag situation might actually be legit, but uh, all right. So that wasn't just a stray tumbleweed uh, ball cap and actually something fitted and legit for you. All right. Just, just was hoping for you. Just was hoping for you. <laughs> all right. Well, let's talk about, I guess, uh, 
if there's uh, anything of note about your day actually shooting, if there's something different from day uh, one or two, uh, I think you mentioned to me before we went on that the conditions were at least a little bit better for shooting. Yeah, it was significantly different than day one. Day one was pretty much all overcast and it was actually kind of cold. It was like 50 degrees for most of the day. Yesterday was 84 and sunny for the most part. Mm. So in terms of getting pictures of people, that's, that's what you want. So it was pretty much ideal shooting conditions. And, uh, you know, like we talked about a little bit last time, it's, it's not that crowded there. So just being able to get around and, and move around, which I did more this time, um, just kind of hopped around to a couple different locations there. It was, it was good. Got a lot of pictures and, uh, almost, almost through all of them, but I'm really happy with everything that I got yesterday. So it was, it was a really good day. The first one was the first run was sweet in 50 degrees in whatever ridiculous underdressed overdressed conditions. So when you're in ideal conditions, ideal conditions for life, by the way, not just for a baseball game. Uh, yeah. I imagine the, the product from yesterday is going to be even uh, better. And again, a win, uh, you know, I guess let's, let's fill into that. Another win. You are clearly the lucky charm for the team, but this last week has also provided a nice little boost of wins. Apparently, the team and and Tony are taking it all more seriously or or something and uh, we're starting to see some actual win production uh, but let's step through the game yesterday a little bit uh, pretty much jumped on Cleveland early and I know they sort of had they were running a little bit more of a B team out there and so they did what they should have done but there were some interesting highlights in the game yeah it, it seems like pretty much everyone that was in the lineup contributed everyone was kind of clicking except uh for like Luis Robert I think he went hitless he actually had a couple of really rough plate appearances but that'll happen it's just growing pains with a young player uh, but everyone looked good um Grandall was hitting the ball hard Zach Collins was hitting the ball hard um I know he got buried in like an 0-2 count earlier in the game and then he he took a deep fly out which is good to see for him for a guy that has a lot of swings and misses so um, that was exciting, but it just, it seemed like the whole, like the offense was just clicking yesterday. I know they scored six runs with all of them being in the first two innings, but even throughout the game, you know, their outs were loud outs and they were hitting the ball, ball hard all day. So that was pretty exciting to see. And yeah, kind of like you said, it was, it was like a B team for Cleveland, but they did have a couple major league arms on the mound too. So it was, it was impressive to see them kind of beat them up all day and obviously get the win. And it's telling about a dynamic talent like Luis Robert that he is and really through the spring has has scuffled at the plate. But the one time he is able to get on base, he creates such incredible havoc uh, with the double steal and then scoring on a play that not many human beings would be able to score on, um, you know, practically running down uh, the average or maybe slightly <laughs> slower than average runner in front of him, um, creating sort of a hilarious scene there at home plate where he's just like, you know, he probably even had to let up a touch just to not run into the, the runner in yeah, front of him. Uh, it's a, it's a really part, extraordinary display. That play in particular, too, you could literally, I, you could see it. I don't know. They probably didn't show him the whole time on on the TV yesterday. But it, as soon as he saw he had a window there, he was like, "I'm I'm scoring." Like he was just thinking that the whole time. And, and, um, and um, uh, uh, Super Joe picked up on that right away because he was waving him. It wasn't mm-hmm. like he was like, oh, what's going on? I mean, he was waving him before he's even in frame. So, uh, you know, <laughs> and again, Super Joe last year was, was, you know, a guy who never hesitated to tout the extraordinary uh, raw talent and actual baseball playing talent of Luis Robertson. I mean, I think he's a guy who's, I think he knows when Luis is on first, is definitely on second, 
and even on first, uh, he can get the he can get the arm ready because uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, he didn't hesitate. And I mean, that's not exactly a common play to be like, okay, yeah, I'm going to send the guy who just stole second uh, because the ball got away. Um, mm-hmm. so that was a fun little uh, fun little highlight, and it does speak to a guy who can still contribute even when maybe he's not getting the bat on the ball uh, the way he has been struggling for a lot of the spring. Um, I guess before we, we, we hit our break, let's continue talking, I guess, uh, discuss first and foremost, maybe the biggest piece of news that wasn't good to come out of the game. And that was Adam Engel coming up, uh, sort of strangely lame on a ball. I guess you sort of laying out a little bit for, uh, just to get to and a sacrifice fly and apparently had a little tweak and twinge in the hamstring, uh, left the game on his own power. Uh, you know, he's sort of a badass anyway. So, you know, he's going to do everything he can to to not look like anything affects him. Um, of course, the fact that he had to leave the game, he's going to be further evaluated uh, today here when we're recording. Uh, we're not really aware of what the diagnosis is as we're talking now. Um, has led uh, a lot of, um, you know, a lot of speculation, a lot of panic, I guess, in the fan base that uh, this means he's going to be out for a ton. And, oh, no, you know, leads to a lot of criticism, even in the fan base. So, Tell me what you saw and, uh, you know, your thoughts about, you know, maybe what this happens, uh, what happens in the outfield based on, uh, you know, maybe even a minor injury to Adam. Yeah. So it just looked like one of those kind of, I guess I'll say like freak plays where he came in on a ball and, and, you know, he popped up to throw and he did a little tumble after he threw and then he was just kind of there on the ground. Uh, happened like right after, right recently after he was put in the game, I think he got like one at bat beforehand, but um, it, it'll be interesting to obviously see what the extent of the injury is, how long he's going to be out for. And, and they have a couple options. Granted, they're not great, but they do have a couple options. Um, they got Billy Hamilton on the team now. He could be an easy guy to plug in and play there. Um, obviously, he brings speed similar to Angle. Angle does a lot of stuff better than him, but you know, you got that factor that Billy Hamilton brings where he can be a threat on the base pass and in the field, he'll be, he'll be fine too. And then they have Leary Garcia. He has outfield experience. So um, if you want to use him as, as a backup outfielder, but then that kind of creates a little more questions as to, you know, who's going to be that utility guy that fills in for what Leary was supposed to do. So I guess it just kind of depends how they want to look at it. I, I would probably just go with Billy, Billy Hamilton because it's just an easy replacement, but that's just me. And I wonder if it comes down to uh, La Russa obviously has a pretty strong stamp on the team. A strong enough stamp to get hired in the first place. Uh, and, you know, what does he prefer? Does he prefer the, the speedster type of guy like Hamilton, which you would argue is perhaps the case because he's uh, in camp in the first place. I mean, he was mm-hmm. cut loose by Cleveland. Uh, there, there was no obvious reason to pick him up unless mm, it caught the attention of the manager or a, a Danny Mendick, who I think is, is very much on the bubble for the the, the team, uh, and you know is is the versatility and you know youth, you know um, probably can do more things, but not any one thing or two things better than a Billy Hamilton. Obviously, a bunting speed, base field. Uh, maybe th- that's what it comes down to, uh, it, you know, and we shouldn't just look at it as, as strictly an outfield situation because if it's a matter of Engel being yeah. out for a little time or just let's say being slow, not to overreact mm-hmm. to the injury because he is going to at least have 10 days to ramp up for uh, uh, opening day, even if he needs the reps to s- sort of be ready for opening day or or soon after. Um, 
that a guy like maybe then Leori can uh, cover, you know, maybe for that first series, let's say, or that first road trip uh, where you're not going to feel too compromised. Obviously you want as much flexibility as possible, but, uh, and then, you know, then you, you take into account maybe whether or not there's possibly going to be a third catcher in the mix. I mean, the, the, the bench is still very much in, in, in question in your mind, or you think it's settled? I think it's still in question and, um, that was obviously before this injury. And now with this granted, I, he could be okay. And it might not be much of an issue. It, it didn't seem like it, you know, back then, or I shouldn't say back then yesterday. <laughs> um, but this just kind of adds another question mark to something that wasn't even really settled before. So it's, it'll be, it'll be really interesting now to kind of see, you know, obviously first what the news is on angle. And then second, assuming that he's going to miss some time, what they're going to do now. Cause now they got to, you know, fill a couple spots. Yeah, I mean, I think initially when I saw the the signing or the pickup of Billy Hamilton, that it was like, okay, what is what is this telling Adam Engel? And you know, what's what's the message delivered here? And I suppose that's that's still got to be an element. But I suppose the worst news is for a guy like Nick Williams, who has the possibility, given an injury like this, of being that you know fourth or I don't know, maybe fifth outfielder uh, making the club. But it seems like there's uh, under little circumstance, would you imagine La Russa, who, along with the rest of the team, I imagine with with the backing of the front office says, hey, this is win now mode. We are not running up there with with rookies who are still somewhat, you know, for questions, not like Nick Williams has set the camp on fire. I think he's impressed. I think he has capability to, to uh, you know, man either corner well. Um, I think it, it actually, given the <laughs> given the nature of the the activity for right field, uh, for bolstering right field this year, probably Rick Hahn's best move looking right now, even though everybody seems fairly pleased with what Adam Eaton's done so far uh, at the cost. Uh, but I'd say it's bad news. I mean, the more, now that the dust settles, it's really bad news more for anybody young who is, who's hoping to maybe make a run at this team. And I guess Nick Williams is probably primary uh, in that, uh, I don't know if you scratch him off the list entirely, but it seems like a guy like Billy Hamilton, who is probably also susceptible to injury and leg injury, uh, you know, as well, given he's, uh, he's a little bit older now, even though he hasn't really seemed to lost, seemed to have lost a step yet. Um, so it's, it's probably bad news for any young guy. And Nick Williams is probably definitely ticketed to, to Schaumburg at this point. Huh? Yeah, I'd agree with you there. And it's just kind of like, you know, Injuries happen during the baseball season. It it just is what it is. It's a long season. It's a grind. Um, and, and for a team like the White Sox, you brought up a good point with how they're like win now mode. And, you know, um, it's just like, do they really want to mess around and, you know, kind of just put someone like Nick Williams in there? Can, can they afford to do that? But probably not. And, and it's unfortunate for Nick who has been, has been doing good this spring. And, and even, you know, before, Engel went down. He really didn't have much of a path to the roster. This maybe opened up a slight chance, but it's a very, very, very slight chance. And I'd be shocked if he got an opportunity. Now, the reassuring news for a guy like Nick Williams is that he was probably told when signed, your best case scenario to the roster is showing well in spring training, then going to Charlotte or what is now going to be Schaumburg, at least for the first month and just kick ass there. And then perhaps if you're really showing that you're getting some great at bats under you, then maybe you are, you maybe are the first call up if there's an outfield need. On the other hand, Zach Collins has been lighting it up 
And he's a guy who is still somewhat behind the eight ball. He might be the clear number two. We're, we're unsure. With Jonathan LaCroix in the mix, again, sort of playing that Billy Hamilton factor. He's a guy who, who's proven to be able to handle pitchers. He's a veteran who's going to show leadership that, that Zach Collins can't. Um, and again, from a Tony Russo standpoint, a guy like Jonathan LaCroix might have to play his way out of that number two role. Uh, is Zach going to see a similar fate to a Nick Williams? Is there a path at all? I think we addressed this last time we talked as well, but is there a path at all to three catchers given that Zach can, he's, he's a lefty bat that helps him. Um, he can play a little first, obviously he can DH. Mm-hmm. Uh, or is he a guy who is going to maybe see the same fate where it's like, well, if LaCroix gets hurt or if something happens to Grandal, uh, you know, I'm the guy who's coming up, but I mean, he's gone. He, he, that was the situation last year. So uh, how do you think it might be different for Zach? Yeah, I I have a hard time believing that there there's a path for three catchers on the roster just because I, it's not really necessary. Um, so for Zach, it, it seems like he's kind of in that similar path to Nick Williams, where it's he's there's it's just tough for him and and tough for him to get a spot with everything going on. But I, I I've been kind of thinking, you know, Lacroix got it, Lacroix got it. He's that veteran, that you know, guy that's been around. Um, but it's like. Zach Collins just keeps hitting and he hasn't slowed down this spring. Granted spring training stats aren't everything to write home about. Um, But for, you know, for a guy like Zach, that's fighting for a roster spot, he's making, you know, defensive updates and he's hitting the ball extremely well. Swings and misses haven't been, you know, as drastic as they have been for him in the past. It's like, you know, spring training is all about, position battles and, and fighting for roster spots for these guys. And Zach Collins is literally, I think, fought to the best of his ability. So does he deserve the spot? Yeah, absolutely. I think he does, but will he actually get it? I I don't think so, but it he's, he's been awesome. And, and you got to give him a lot of credit for everything he's put together this spring. All right, we are going to seg into a pitching discussion. We're going to take a short detour also to talk front office a bit, but we're going to take a break right now. If you listen to the podcast, you're probably going to hear a couple ads. If you are watching us on the YouTube channel, just take a moment. Imagine the swag that Sean Williams may get on his third game covering <laughs> and shooting photos for us for SB Nation. Take a second. and We'll be right back. Hey there, White Sox fans. We are back with Southside Sox podcast number 29. We're doing another Camelback Confidential with Sean Williams. We talked about yesterday's win and the fact that the team has turned around a little bit and starting to put some wins up in that uh, left-handed column. And before we get into a discussion of some of the uh, still open issues with the pitching staff, uh, let's address the fact, and I think we can look at how the pitching staff is shaping up and look at it as sort of a mixed mark because the bullpen is solid as can be the rotation. Well, we're going to get to that. Uh, but this situation we were just discussing before the break with right field uh, does point to the fact that not a lot was done in the off season by the White Sox and the moves made at least particularly in the outfield are certainly up for question. Obviously the Adam Eaton acquisition has been done to death, but it would be nice if we would, if we were discussing Adam Eaton's role increasing and maybe getting thrust into the starting lineup as a guy who came in perhaps as your fourth paid as a fourth when talking about an injury to a legit real right fielder, no diss on Adam Engel, but he wasn't going to this into this season as the 
150 game start right fielder under any circumstances anyhow. Uh, and does this injury, you know, expose the fact that in a sense, as the contention window is thrown open for the White Sox, that the uh, Sox uh, punted some decisions uh, this offseason or even in offseasons prior? Yeah, I I would think I, punted is a good way to describe it. So I'll agree with you there. Um, <laughs> it just seems like there were a lot of good options um, better than and you know what they had available or what they have now that were sitting out there for them. And it just seems like they kind of, I don't want to say panicked, but maybe just settled and kind of struck early with right field, which surprised me a little bit. Um, Cause that, that was one of the biggest holes on the roster. You know, they tried the Nomar Mazar experience experience and that was horrible. So it was like, okay, we really don't have, you know, any in-house options right now for a full-time starter. So um, I, you know, I thought they'd kind of swing big with right field. Um, so I was a little surprised that they didn't, but you know, if, if I had to guess, they probably just went with the familiarity route they've had at a meeting before. Um, you know, he's been around such, some of the guys in the clubhouse. He made such an so impact. They, yeah. So they were, you know, they were just like, Hey, you know, let's, let's bring this guy back. Maybe he's, he's changed a little bit and uh, you know, he's got that world series experience now. That's kind of what we need. And he's got a little edge to him, which I will say is, is good. The Sox could use that. So. John, if that's the reason I'm getting more agitated about this decision now, not less. <laughs> that's no, what I mean, I'm here for. What's, what's, what's fascinating to me. And, and it was only, I think there's only been one, I think it was that controversial, um, I guess, de facto q and I think the uh, Han did with the athletic, uh, which was overshadowed by the fact that he was criticizing the fan base again. But, you know, another thing that was um, inserted in there in, in the piece was, uh, you know, justification for having jumped, what we're speculating on now, justification for having jumped and, and that the option was, hey, listen, we knew our guys, so we were just going to get him. And it just, I, I would... I don't think I mean, maybe it was left on the cutting room floor. There was no information provided in the piece as to how Adam Eaton becomes the guy on the first day of, of mm-hmm. the winter meetings, you throw a, a considerable amount of money at to secure that he's clearly your guy. I've, one obvious thing is that he bats left-handed, but yeah, he wasn't the only guy who did that. And you know, Adam Eaton's a guy you talk about now. Oh man, Adam Engel got hurt. Oh, man, we better bring in Eaton. He's, oh, he's still out there, right? Yeah, okay, he's out there. Oh, man, this will be great. This is really fortunate that he's still out there and he can be a guy who can step in and fill. He's not the guy who, who, who started spring training in your platoon for that money. I mean, it is, I'm sorry. I don't want to seem like it's nitpicking. I certainly don't want to keep beating this, but the idea that you're in this contention window and that this one injury now triggers a situation where Billy Hamilton off the scrap heap is now perhaps starting games for you. Uh, Nick Williams, your best guy now, now is probably your number one guy, Blake Rutherford already uh, optioned your mm-hmm. best guy as you know, whatever your four, a, your triple a guy coming up. Um, I'm not sure what the white Sox are waiting for. I don't know if this is a Santa Claus situation where Mike Rodolfo was supposed to have an incredible spring. So now he played himself into possibly a roster spot. Uh, I know we've got uh, a Yoki uh, Cespedes uh, in the wings, but that wings could be years from now, no matter how much you want to talk up, how quickly this guy's going to come and what is he going to do once he does come? Um, 
it hurts because, you know, the team made the playoffs perhaps prematurely in 2020, but let's also remember it was a weird lotto ball situation, which is how they got into the playoffs. Let's not pretend that this was legit playoff. Sorry, again, I'm not trying to act like the milk is sour, but it is the truth with how they played in the, in the last week. Um, so this is sort of an asterisk playoff team in the first place. This window of contentions open, and now we're discussing how Billy Hamilton might play a significant role in the opening day uh, lineup or bench. And uh, it's disappointing. You know, I'm sorry. We are, we are told, okay, we had to wait through hundred lost seasons. We had to wait through basically a, 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 a decade that was a debacle um, for a time now where we can enjoy some of the spoils of what have been some extremely deft moves by the front office uh, and using their legit player currency to bring in future players who have now become factors on this team credit due, but uh, you got to put it all together. And right now, you know, there's, there's reason it's nitpicking. Clearly it's nitpicking, but this is a podcast. We nitpick um, it's worrying. And um, you know, it, it is sort of uh, unfortunate uh, that, that these are the options we're discussing. Yeah. Yeah. I'd agree with you. Um, you would have liked to see them pounce and, and swing a little bit more for the fences for something like right field. Um, the lineup is, is stacked even with, um, Adam Eaton in there, but he would have liked to see it be a little more stacked. Um, he's left-handed, so he'll bring some balance, which is always nice, you know, but you know, like, like we kind of said, and, and we've probably said it a couple times throughout here, there are better options out there. Um, even someone like Jock Peterson, like, you know, he would have been probably, I think he ended up signing for a very similar, um, price. It's, he's younger too, you know, maybe what's that even less. Even okay. Less. Yeah. Yeah. And I know they did, they did talk to him and they offered him a contract. And at the time he said no, and it came back to bite him, but you know, it's like, what, what's the big, give him a couple extra th- or not thousand, give him a couple extra million dollars. It's, it's not our money so they can do it, but um, it's, yeah, it's unfortunate. You would have liked to see him, you know, pounce and, and, you know, kind of raise, raise the bar in right field a little more. And, you know, listen, we're talk, we, we've been told, hey, we made the best offer on Zach Wheeler or whether the White Sox front office said that or not. It seems like sources say it was the best offer on Zach Wheeler. Clearly, they made they, they really pushed the envelope with Manny Machado to the point where they thought he was in the bag. And whoops, look what happened. He got stolen away and the White Sox did not adjust or they said no. I, I think they have said they said no. We're not going further, even though at the same time claiming they had the best offer. We didn't hear that about Bryce Harper. And Bryce Harper was a guy who they did uh, throw out the pomp and circumstance for. They dressed up the United Center. Um, They clearly were whining and dining, though, apparently not as seriously as Machado. And maybe early on in the process, Harper said, no, I want to I want to play East. I dream of playing for the Yankees or I want to go West Coast. I mean, maybe he did say something. Comments subsequently have not indicated that. But um, I want to know that they put they pushed it on an offer there too. And yes, if that means that Blake Rutherford becomes, you know, trade fodder or Mike Rodolfo never sees the major leagues. Well, that's not necessarily a bad thing because we have Bryce Harper in right field and you know, the, the payroll hasn't taken a hit. That's, I mean, I was looking at an article from the the fall that was projecting payrolls. I want to say that the fan graphs was projecting the white Sox at like 140 million. I mean, the idea that, idea that you know we don't just spend just to spend and that's what a lot of people are patting themselves in the back about Liam Hendricks about it's like whoa at least we spent money it's like you know I'm no genius so I'll just get off of this Uh, this is a far longer segment than I anticipated it to be but it's frustrating to be this (laughs) close to be on the cusp of the playoffs and now still having to be debating whether we can get to 90 wins 
it's just like you you really don't have that many missing pieces at this point like why not just really spend and just even if you overspend a little bit just go get that missing piece or you know that person that can be a huge different difference maker like what just do it that's it <laughs> i do just want to get the rick Hahn quote at some point maybe it's 10 years from now i want to get the quote the, i want the paragraph that says this is why i had to jump brad i and listen it may be completely plausible and i'm totally whiffing on it maybe he'll call me and say brett not for publication, but this is the reason, you idiot. And I'll be like, oh my God. And I'll never speak of it again. I'll be, I'll just smile and nod politely when the subject of Adam Eaton comes on because I'll know uh, the reason why, because I don't think there's a reason why. Anyway, let's get to the pitching, a situation that in some ways is a lot more settled, but then on the other hand, all right, let's not spill into the criticism of the offseason again. But, um, All right, let's start with rotation. I guess there's a little bit more holes. And I think when we spoke a week ago, things seemed a lot more settled than they are now. Dylan Cease just had a start yesterday with it that is one of those that it's like, well, on paper, it was like ah, pretty good and didn't get scored on. Um, But in reality, it was rough. In reality, it calls into question some of the whole... uh, uh, Ethan Katz, you know, miracle worker talk. Uh, And again, obviously, I'm... I'm scrutinizing two spring starts. So I'll just, I'll dial it back and shut up. But uh, clearly there's not a run here that even we saw with Carlos Rodon, uh, two strong starts and looks like he's just off to the races. Uh, again, spring is time for have those steps back. We've buried, everybody's buried Ronaldo Lopez. Uh, he has had a couple rough outings, but you know, he's, there's no, there shouldn't be any dirt on him either. Um, we're talking about three guys for two spots on the rotation and nothing is necessarily settled because even with Carlos Rodon, if you say settled, you realize that he's averaged, I believe 14 starts per year in his career. So it's always, you got to hold your breath with that. You know, you cross your fingers that he can even become your four, uh, but you hold your breath with that. Um, how are you sizing up how the rotation is, is playing out and, and how much hope do you have for 40% of the rotation going into this season? <laughs> So we obviously know one through three is settled, right? That's that's set in stone. Um, four, I, I think it'll be Dylan Cease will be locked into the four spot. Um, he's got he's got really good stuff, you know. Obviously, command's been an issue. He, he struggles with throwing strikes, um, and and I know I I shouldn't say I know, acting like I personally know, but I've heard that Ethan Katz really likes Dylan Cease too, um, and he's been working with him, you know, for a while, so. Um, he'll probably get the little nod over someone like Rodon or Lopez and and slide into that fourth spot. So I think that's his. Um, in terms of five, I think it's going to be Carlos Rodon. I've kind of always been on that train pretty much this, since they brought him back. Um, I, I always thought it was going to be his spot. And uh, he he started getting some – he got a start this spring, and he looked awesome. I mean, he's looked he's looked awesome this entire spring. Um so that's been that's been exciting and good for him. Um, but in terms of how I feel about it, not great, I guess. Um, I'm not like you know I'm usually the op- optimistic guy, um, but I'm not I'm not feeling like like down and like upset about it. It's just I guess like uneasy would be a good way to describe it. To where it's like you know if if. Katz is the miracle worker and he unlocks Cease. So that's a whole different story. And that rotation one through four is fantastic. Um, we just, the book's still out on him. We still, you know, it, it hasn't been great for his major league career so far, but you know, if he can, if he can figure out how to throw strikes and, and do it consistently, then 
we're looking at we're looking at a really good rotation. So I, I've, I've said it before and I'll say it again. I, I get to be determined, I guess. But at, as of right now, I, I don't feel like particularly great about it, but I'm also not like beating myself up. Oh, my God, this rotation. What the heck? You get a sense that on a on a more than weekly basis that Rick Khan is sitting in the office, uh, I'm sure with sports radio um, or White Sox Twitter just blaring uh, alongside and like balancing the checkbook. Uh, even in this contention window, I get this feeling. It's like, you know, I can, we can make an argument that says, okay, why in the world, even though it could all work out and, you know, knock on wood, it's going to, and Carlos Rodon is going to be like the most kick-ass fifth starter in the league. I mean, that is, it's entirely plausible and Cease solves things. And he's going to have a starter. It's good. It's going to might still be sloppy. He might still be good for just five innings, but they might be scores five. It could work out that way. That's best case scenario. It's not going to be better than that. And we've got Lance Lynn laboring through uh, to get through four innings, uh, you know, in a mid spring start. I mean, it's great. He's ramped up and he showed he's got his stamina. And I mean, of course, we're just skipping over Dallas Keuchel and the fact that he sort of passed on his uh, first start here in mid-March. But anyway, assuming one through three is fine. And I think we can assume that. Got 40% of the rotation up for question. And, and what else is there? Um, this is not a rotation that's ready to, to definitively make a run. Um, and you get the feeling it's like, well, okay, where, I mean, we're going to talk about the bullpen in a second where there's like no spots in the first place because it's so good. The, the, the mm-hmm. clear strength of this team. Great. But this rotation, who's he, I mean, we don't even have like the urban. I mean, I understand it's a joke to say like, oh, we get urban Santana or, you know, whatever, some, some guy who's, who's, you know, over the hill or whatever, just as our insurance or whatever. Last year, we, we grabbed a Clayton Richard, you know, for Schaumburg, you know, as a, I guess a Justin, 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 just in case situation, which is makes sense. And there may be still a guy there pitching at Charlotte, but we don't already have that guy secured. That's like, oh, wait, there's six arms for five spots. Well, okay, you're supposed to have six arms for five spots. And if it means the guy has to get cut loose because he didn't make the team, he's a veteran, he's like, okay, I have a right to, you know, opt out. Mm. Okay, but at least you got the guy on the list. So, I mean, we haven't had injury issues, you know, yet. Uh, We've had effectiveness questions for everybody, but Lucas Giolito, this just doesn't seem to be, this seems like we're still crawling. We're like trying to sneak in, um, you know, we're not equipped in the way we should. Again, bullpen notwithstanding that's going to be a fun discussion to have here in a minute but it's it's frustrating to know that this team is, is so ready and when it's clicking there's nobody better it's clicking mm-hmm. they might be the best team in baseball they proved that even for a short stretch well it was actually a, a, a decent extended stretch in 2020 the idea that one thing beat of ineffectiveness or injury can just trigger a landslide that that keeps the white Sox out of the playoffs pushes them a lot closer to 500 than we want to acknowledge uh, is frustrating and it, it does make things uneasy and it does sound like it makes you seem like such a, a negative Nancy but you know we have to evaluate this team one to 26 and and when you're getting closer to playoffs you know that 20 to 26 is is crucial and right now the 20 to 26 is well you know we hope hey look Billy Hamilton let's let's make him one of the 26 that's not a playoff team that's not a division favorite yeah and the arms thing is a good point um, just having kind of that extra security, it, there's going to be roster cuts coming up in spring training. And, you know, obviously a team like the White Sox who are on the rise and, and people are going to want to play for them. At least you would think so. Um, they might have a chance to get, you know, some decent kind of depth arm that they can keep in, in, in Schaumburg or the alternate site for now, and then have them just 
pitching Charlotte and just be like, Hey, listen, one thing, one thing happens. Someone misses a starter, you know, um, someone has to miss a couple of starts. You're going to be our guy. You're going to be coming up. You're going to be filling in here for us. So I think, you know, they still could add something like that, but for now they, you're right. They, they don't have depth like that. You know, they got some of their prospect arms in Charlotte, but you know, you don't necessarily want to have to rush guys to the major leagues or, you know, um, just throw a potential question mark in there for a team that has playoff aspirations. You can just go add, you know, one of those veteran guys for cheap that, you know, Hey, they might not light the world on fire, but they can at least give us, you know, a handful of decent innings. And that's kind of what we need here. So time, time will tell they still have a chance to get some of that, but I, I agree with you. You would like to see a little bit more depth, especially around, you know, the starters and stuff like that that they do have guys like Michael Kopech, but we know he's going to be, he's a bullpen guy and coming off Tommy John and coming off opting out, you know, you don't want to throw him and, and make him, you know, run his arm into the ground again. And yeah. Garrett Crochet, they drafted him as a starter, but he's got time before he's going to be even stretched out to do that. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're, they're like half pitchers this year. I think it seems like any innings limit would have them being like mm-hmm. half guys. So you could run one full tilt for the first half and run one full tilt for the second half, but that's not how they're going to. Yeah. And, and for a guy like Michael Kopech too, you, you want to have him available for the playoffs and, and you don't want to, you know, be like, Oh my gosh, we had a, we had an injury here. Let's go start Michael Kopech and have him go four or five innings. Like you, you do got to be cautious with him and, and you gotta, you gotta be calculated about how you kind of divide his innings out. Cause you want to have him for the whole year. See, it's not just your killer photographer's eye. It's not your ability to write. It's your good cop to my bad cop presence that makes Camelback confidential and these podcasts so delightful because as I get down <laughs> and rile up the fan base and or make everybody switch it off because oh my god he's ranting about something idiotic again I don't want to think about what's next we're going to talk about DUIs uh, you come in and say hey man listen there's going to be cuts there could be stuff I mean, we just got Billy Hamilton he fell into our laps uh, maybe even a, a more legitimate major leaguer will still fall into our laps and that it absolutely is out there and who knows there could there's still there's still possibility even though it seems like people just giving up like trades or anything uh, mm-hmm. ever anymore I mean there's still trades uh, clearly the White Sox would like to be able to turn some of that triple a double a some of that potential maybe into major league roster pieces whether anybody's going to go along with that there seems to be like 800 teams rebuilding so i mean you'd think there might be an opportunity for that but you know the the bell might have already rung there all right let's shift over into the bullpen because clearly we see somehow randomly i've i've outlined this podcast to end on a really strong note because listen uh, a clear strength that only got stronger uh, the, this team uh, where the white Sox struck in the offseason again probably uh uh, prodded and poked by Tony Larusa saying, I gotta have my Eckersley. And, uh, so indeed Liam Hendricks came in and, you know, he's, he's looked fine. I don't think there's been any great concern in the bullpen. You know, there's some guys who maybe haven't pitched as much as you'd expect, but then there's other guys like Cody Horner, like doing tuning saves. So, uh, clearly it seems to be cranking. And obviously the bullpen news we got late last week, or I guess as recently, yeah, Friday was uh, Jimmy Cordero having to take Tommy John surgery. Uh, a guy who was on the bubble at best. I think mm-hmm. when you break it down for a 13 man staff, it really was going to be him or Ronaldo Lopez. It was not going to be both. And there was probably a path where neither, you know, we're somehow going to make that cut if, if a young arm had done well enough. So this is a guy who we weren't necessarily counting on, which is odd to say, given how, frequently he was used in 2020 by Ricky Renneria 
a full half of the games in the short season, even though he pitched, I believe it only turned out to be 26 and change in terms of official innings. That's a lot of wear and tear with the warm up and the readiness. And listen, he's a guy who said, you know, he pulls up the sleeve and says, you know, I'm ready. Just I'll go every game. But, um, you know, it didn't work out for him effectively on the stats. Even though he had terrible luck, it seems, because his fifth was pretty good last year. Um, but he's a guy who certainly would have been maybe an immediate first uh, call-up as needed, as it always is needed with uh, bullpen arms or even rotation arms if, if there's a trickle-down effect where Ronaldo ends up in the rotation. So uh, uh, not a, a great thing. And Jimmy Cadero, by all uh, all stretch of imagination, is a pretty darn good guy and a stand-up guy. So it's a, it's a real setback to have him out and, and missing what could be a very exciting season here with the White Sox. Yeah, it is really unfortunate. And like you were saying, he was – overused last year is seemed like you know practically every single game he was being thrown in there or at least warming up to to get ready to go in and uh he was kind of one of those guys that you know surprised us a little bit there um two years ago he was awesome I mean last year he had his moments but at the same time too like he was just used all the time I'd imagine he had to be you know just kind of like fried and and his arm had to be hurting um which is unfortunate now that he has to have Tommy John surgery, but you know, you never, you never really want to make light of an injury, but I guess in the white Sox perspective, he probably wasn't going to make the team anyway. So it's, it's not like they're losing one of their core guys. So I guess that's, you know, kind of like the, the bright side in it, but you know, you got, you, you got to hope for a speedy recovery for Jimmy biceps and, you know, hopefully he comes back and, and is still throwing pretty hard because that's one of the things that, you know, made him a factor there for a little while. But, yeah, just just kind of unfortunate. And like you were saying, another guy that would have been ready to go if, if they needed him. He, he would, you know, he's got the experience and he's, he's a good guy, been around the team for a little bit. So kind of sucks to lose a guy like that, too, at the same time. Yeah, it speaks to how cruel baseball can be, too. I mean, this is a guy who bounced around a little, found a real home with the White Sox in 2019, had every reason to believe he'd be in the mix, at least if you were to extend it to the 30 most important players on the team and in the system, he'd be on there. And now he's a guy who's barely even into his arbitration process that, you know, may could potentially not have a career, you know, after this and certainly will have to rehabilitate perhaps change how he pitches, um, certainly change how he agrees to be used um, going forward. And, you know, uh, so many guys, so many more guys don't really make it than do. And, and it's a reminder that, you know, particularly with arms, my God, the way they're being thrown and used and the way you have to go out there and attack uh, every pitch, uh, man, the margin of error. I mean, you got weird miracles of guys who can pitch, you know, the Randy Johns who can pitch into their forties and, and seemingly mm-hmm. never have trouble, but those people are so, so rare. You know, we talk about the Rodons and stuff, but you know, Jimmy Cordero is a situation now where, you know, his, the rest of his career is in jeopardy. I mean, he's, he's got to play in the majors. He's got that glory. Um, he's been a great member of the White Sox bullpen. And, and, you know, now a lot of that's in question. And, you know, it's, it's fleeting, man. See, look, I even took the strong bullpen segment and, and made it <laughs> melancholic. Wow, it's spring, <laughs> Brett. It's spring. You're having a day today. <laughs> it's not 85 degrees here in sunny. Ah, well, um, yeah, so we will circle back and we will talk again uh, after the next photo assignment, which will be next weekend. Um, and we'll have a, a third episode of this as the roster is probably pretty close to shaped up by that time. Or we'll see what other 
injury or performance issues might uh, trigger some changes. But, you know, as we discussed here, there's not a lot that's gray area right now. So it'll be interesting to see what else, you know, uh, pushes through to know. Maybe we'll get a little tell this week about whether maybe it's a Mendick versus a Hamilton situation, if that's a, a last member of the bench, or maybe somehow there's, there is room for, for both. Um, but, you know, I guess there's still some stuff to play out, but I guess next time we talk, it'll be more like pointing toward Anaheim in the beginning of the season. And I guess, how much better we feel with a with a string of seven solid game performances between now and then, and we'll just be smiling and giggling and happy. And w- what we'll be doing next time, Sean, I think we'll be we'll just do an over under for like ninety five wins or not. We'll be yeah, so enthused with how things are going. And for your sake, I hope they go out and they sign about like six starting pitchers by the next time we record, and a couple right fielders, and they just they they don't even know what they're flooded with depth, and they don't even know what to do with it. <laughs> Clearly, I've got to have a little pep talk for myself before we do this again, because <laughs> I have too much of a black cloud here on Southside Sox Podcast 29. Apologies to all listeners and readers for that. But hey, you know, we're just talking about real issues. And I know uh, yeah, some of you absolutely. are even far to the uh, to the right in, in the anger scale than me. And a lot of people are like, hey, man, let's just see how it plays. And that's what we're all waiting for now. We're, you know, we're a week or so away or 10 days away where it's like, okay, you know, everybody ready, you know, even the players are like, okay, we just want the real bell to ring and uh, you know, let's get rolling because a bad spring and they could, they could go and seven this, this next week. And still doesn't mean that they're not going to go seven and zero on that opening road trip. So that's the stuff we're all biting our nails for now. And, you know, I'll, I'll throw myself on the list as well. Apparently taking a very negative play on it, but Hey, you know, that's why you're here, Sean, to, to talk me off the ledge and say, Hey, come on. The season hasn't even started. We got an April Fool's opening day, man. There's going to be a lot of laughs on a day like that. (laughs) So we'll uh, circle back about a week or so. Uh, I don't know if that's podcast 30, 31, 32, how many we'll squeeze in before then, but we will definitely be talking again in a week as you shoot your final game. We're going to start rolling out some of the Sean Williams photographs from his Camelback times apparently this last batch will be a lot sunnier so all that the happy ones and all the all the 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 bright and tasty sharp ones are going to be from this cleveland game but uh, you still got another one another beautiful arizona day out there in the future for you to to shoot so we're going to be using those and rolling out all of those out all week Uh, make sure to shoot nick williams when you can we need those those uh oh i have you let me let me just say i have you covered (laughs) i got about probably 10 to 12 pictures of him so sweet so with nick blossoms as a uh as an unknown uh comeback player of the year most improved player candidate we got you covered we got sean williams we got a guy down there man all right well let's do this again in a week i promise i will um will be much sunnier or if there's cause maybe i'll be talking you off the ledge Knows, yeah, Sean? you never know. I mean, There's... we could we could reverse roles. I've been good good cop and bad cop. I have. So, yeah, you never know. It might be it might be me next time. And uh, you know, the everything's kind of gone for the most part pretty good this spring mm-hmm. so far. I'd say, but this last week is just kind of you know a couple bad couple bad news, couple injuries popped up. So it's just all these 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 things are starting to come to light now. So you know as much as we were joking around about it, it's, it's real issues and, and it's definitely, you know, something worth talking about. So we're just going to be melting into a puddle of giggles in a week, Sean, things are going to be so good. So it's, it's going to be an incoherent podcast because it's going to just be so happy, happy. So I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> Thanks everybody for uh, watching, for listening, for reading, and we'll be back uh, with Sean Williams in uh, another week. Thanks, Sean.